You're listening to Messages of Infinite Light with Ain Kate Sullivan and Mira by Davy, the show that helps us discover the truth of who we are and imagines where we are going as masterful creators. Welcome and blessings. This is Anne Kate Sullivan, co-host of Messages of Infinite Light, and I'm here with Mirabai Devi. We're here together. It's amazing to be together here. We're in Virginia in the Blue Ridge Mountains. This area is also known as the Shenandoah, our daughter of the stars. So we've come together to record some podcasts, to send out some wonderful transmissions of light, right? And share the light of friendship and a beautiful spiritual retreat in nature. So on this podcast, we invite you to explore solutions for an evolving humanity. And today we're going to focus on self-realization. I will be interviewing my co-host Mirabai about self-realization. So let's get ready to dive into that. So first, let me put it in context. self Self-realization is understood in Eastern Indian religions to be a path of liberating knowledge that reveals the true self. There is a development of the witness consciousness and an eventual understanding of personal essence and ultimately the I am or God realization, which is when we know ourselves as the divine. So this is the direct connection with the divine. In Western psychology, the focus of self-realization is on the individuation progress or the process. It is a progress, but a process from ego to the ideal self or true nature. I tend to call it true nature, but this is when we realize the full, the full, the true self. On this episode, we're also going to discuss a neglected topic, and this is women and self-realization and why the feminine energies are important now. So often in a lot of traditions, you'll see the self-realization, it's usually quite masculine. So we're going to bring in a, a new a new flowering element to this. And I just want to add, just for the record, there's no better role model for children than a mother who honors her dreams while giving them the love and the courage to follow theirs. So I'll leave you with that thought. And if you do want to check out Mirabai Devi, go to mirabaidevi.org and you can find out more about her. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Director of Superpower Experts. If you're ready to activate your superpowers and turn your lifetime journey into the journey of a lifetime, Go to superpowerexperts.com and get started today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Messages of Infinite Light. And this is Kate Sullivan, and I'm the co-host here with Mirabai Devi. I'm going to interview her today about women and self-realization. We have done a lot of episodes now on Infinite Light, and you can explore them if you go to superpowerexperts.com slash power up slash messages of infinite light. So let's dive in, Mirabai. Wonderful. Hi, Ayn. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Namaste. It's so nice to hear, be here with you just doing a dialectic. We're chatting, having a cup of tea in, in my home. And it's so it's like mama at the table, divine mother at the table. 
<laughs> Here in these beautiful mountains, the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia, surrounded by nature and forest and deer and bear and bobcat and snakes all sorts of things all kinds of creatures it's just beautiful out here i'm just so excited and happy to be here thank you wild geese this morning i'll just i'll just share this with everyone this morning the wild geese the canadian geese came swimming out there were three pairs and they each had between four and and seven little goslings and they were all swimming across the pond it was the most beautiful thing so life life does create life doesn't it it really does. Life begets life. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's dive in. What is self-realization? So self-realization is the realization of the God self. It's referring to the person who we think we are, which is the ego, the mind, the personality, shifts or surrenders and ultimately dissolves or at the very least is on the back burner in the back seat. And the true self, which is the divine self, which is actually, you could say, let's come back to defining what the self is itself, okay? Because that's a whole piece in and of itself. So when we focus and desire, and wish, and intend, and make it a priority to know the divine, then that becomes the single-pointed, most important focus in our life. And that self expands and expands, because whatever we focus on, right, we create more of. And so we come to this expanded version of our true self, which encompasses everything. And when we experience it, which is very rare, people have a glimpse, they have a vision, they have a taste, they have a drop, and they want more, but they don't necessarily experience it, not in any sustaining kind of long-lasting way, typically. And that's because the self is elusive because the ego is just so big, even though it's so tiny, it makes itself so giant that it blocks like a big giant shadow and it takes center stage. So when we come to the true self or to the divine self and we realize it as everything and we realize that we are it and that we are everything and that it's true nature is many things and nothing all at the same time, including pure unconditional love and so many other qualities, which we'll get into later, then we realize that we are not separate to God. God is not outside of ourselves. The self is within us and that we are that. And there have been many famous uh, yogi sages, for example, uh, Sri Nirgadatta, Maharaj, and Ramana Maharshi, and other great mystics that Papaji that have said, I am that, or we are that. And the reality of I am that, which is a derivation of I am that I am, means that. 
I am the infinite self. I am the universal consciousness. I am that which is unmanifest and manifest. I am beyond the known universes because there's multiple universes. Mm -hmm. And I am the creation in form. And I am nothing. And so all of the um, expansive, all-encompassing, unmanifest and manifest is the divine. And that is who our true nature is. And we can only, because it is so vast, we can only realize it in, in small doses at a time. Because if we realized it all at once, it would blow us out of the water. It would, it would fry our electrical system. And I'll tell you more about that story of my journey and how I developed my nervous system and why we need to develop our nervous system. But that process goes in stages And that is the journey, my friends, uh, why we come here into human form. Actually, everything else is a purpose and has a reason, even if it's for the purpose of burning off karma. But self-realization or the realization of ourselves as divine is the ultimate goal or purpose of every soul that comes into a body. And I'll stop there. It's really beautiful. And it seems that. Uh, you know, once we have the enlightenment drive on, that fire is lit up. We've maybe had a few mystical experiences, and it seems like more and more people on the planet now are having these mystical experiences. I know I would, I would want to go and sit with gurus, and I would suddenly have this flash and a little smarty experience, and I wanted to hang on to it forever, not, not uh, let it go. And um, so then the next phase seems to be well, what is realization? What is the self-realization? What did I just experience? What happened to my ego? Why did it disappear? What am I really? And and does the soul look through my eyes with me? Am I really, am I really, can I really merge uh, with the divine? So how, let's just ask, like, how does one attain self-realization? That's the question, Ain. And I like the way you said that you would sit with different gurus or divine mothers and you would experience the flash. And the guru is the reflection of your inner self, right? There is actually no so such outside thing as a guru. They're simply the mirror or the reflection, reflecting back to you your perfected or divine nature. And no one is perfect in human form. And yet the divine is perfect in in the ways that we, our mind, cannot even understand that. So what is the way to attain self-realization? What are the many ways to attain self-realization? That flash that you experienced, that light that you experienced, that we might experience with a guru or sitting with a teacher or sitting in a deep moment of meditation or experience with a beloved or looking at an exquisite sunset or experiencing at the moment of a child's birth, the birth of a baby, or at the moment of death as someone releases from their body, that kind of experience of release or transition that is so powerful. Those are all little windows into moments that go into transcending 
the small self into the great self. And those little moments need to be expanded. So to expand them, we need to go within and dive deep within ourselves. And to dive deep within ourselves, there is a whole path, pathway that uh, one would say that one can go within and do the deep dive where we can actually experience uh, different ways of finding out who the divine is. And there's many different paths. My path is bhakti yoga, and bhakti yoga is the path of devotion. And through practicing, uh, going within and seeking God or the God self as love within oneself and wanting to dive into the ocean or the wellspring of pure love and be that love and have that love reveal itself to us as love and as the divine consciousness and then share that love in service, in loving kindness and compassion to all beings as one expands the heart the bhakti, the devotion, the compassion. And if we take that path and we couple that with a path of self-inquiry, where we're always going within, um, looking deeper and deeper and deeper into the, our true nature, or our true self, and experiencing what is underneath the emotional body, what is underneath the emotions, what is underneath the mental body, what is underneath the thoughts, what is underneath the causal body, what is underneath the causes of circumstances? Who is the thinker of my thoughts? Who is the doer of my actions? Who is being within me? How is the soul coexisting in this individualized form? And how can I focus more on being the soul rather than being the form? How can I identify more with being the soul than and living as the soul which means expressing an expanded consciousness, a flexible nature, a deeply loving and giving heart, like a wellspring of love. And being in the stillness without having to do, 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 and let the ego come to silence, let the mind come to silence and go beyond the causal realm to the higher planes of consciousness where we experience the highest states of samadhi or God realization. And so attaining that means initially having a tremendous amount of discipline, disciplining the monkey mind, disciplining the emotional body not to be in control. So if our thoughts and our mind are running our lives, if our emotions are running our lives, if we cannot control our own negativity, we're not going to experience this level of soul, this level of self, and we're always going to be in suffering and in pain. But when we are able to go beyond those things and experience these higher stages of self-realization, which come as we develop and discipline and practice, and I can talk about some of those practices as we go further into this talk or discussion, um, then we are really on the path to self-realization, to practicing self-realization, to developing self-realization. And it's very rare that somebody will just wake up from birth or from childhood. So we'll talk about that also. 
I really like what you're sharing here about uh, inquiry. And uh, my path with my husband is the path of inquiry, Socratic inquiry, diamond approach inquiry, and also the uh, inquiry that's more related uh, back to the Vedas. So basically, uh, my understanding is that reality has no beliefs. And so what can be a little frightening, I think the reason we have an ego and, you know, that we would appear this way is we have a program and that helps us operate here on earth. So without the ego, it'd be, it would be difficult to go to the grocery store, um, which, you know, it could be difficult to make dinner or have a conversation. So it's, so it's a point of existence that's useful. So I'm, I'm definitely somebody who, who understands the importance of the ego now, I can also see that it can act as an obscuration. It can be something that gets in the way. And now you might uh, experience pain and suffering because the merging love, the, the wonderful merging samadhi states aren't accessible once, once the ego becomes a hardened shell. So the soul, to me, the soul is um, the medium that acts as the go-between between the, and I'll ask Mirabai about this in a minute, but to, to me, the, this is the um, personal essence that can come in that we can touch as Mirabai was saying with when we're, um, when someone's dying or when someone's being born, we're, we're walking, we're learning to walk, we're touching the two worlds. And, uh, you know, also I think uh, when, when someone dies or there's a betrayal or heartbreak, somehow, sometimes heartbreak is what opens you up. You know, to this, uh, maybe a dark night of the soul, but to any, I mean, the whole world's going through it really in a way right now. There's this heartbreak that's going on. And I think, you know, what could be interesting, and I think we'll circle back around to this, is that with a sort of collective heartbreak, here's an opportunity to tap into a true awakening for humanity, take all of this to the next level. So, you know, as things fall apart, there's also a little bit of excitement going on too. One thing that I've thought about a lot is that, you know, in the in in most religions, there's been a very masculine focus, and the feminine's been pretty well cut out, uh, uh, you know, in some traditions more than others. But it seems to me now that there's a huge flowering of the feminine consciousness, and I'm not really going into gender based. This is more of the, you know, I think men can have a very active divine mother flower in their heart. Um, but let's, let's circle back around to teachers for a minute. Um, Mirabai, tell us the difference between a self-realization, realized teacher, someone who has gone to this whole process of self-realization, or maybe was even born within a self-realized state. So this sort of teacher, and then someone who's not. So the one simple main difference between a spiritual teacher that is self-realized versus a spiritual teacher that is not self-realized is their ability to directly go into samadhi at will. And that definition comes from Paramahansa Yogananda. And Paramahansa Yogananda or, or uh, Yogananda Ji would talk a lot about inspired, inspirational speakers or inspirational authors 
that was studying uh, spirituality or studying mysticism or studying other teachers' works, but had not yet had the direct experience, but they could inspire people and they could uplift people and they could educate people. Um, but it was more on a mental level. Uh, it is more on a mental level with a non-self-realized teacher. The difference with a self-realized teacher is that they have had the, the ability through developing self-realization, they have developed the ability to put themselves into a guide union state, which is a samadhi state at will, which means they can sit down, close their eyes and dial up their connection with God and go into a merged state or a bliss state or a vision state or a higher consciousness uh, trance state or a merged meditation state. or And even the yogis uh, talk about uh, the stages, and this is also very much mapped out in, in Kriya Yoga, the stages of the yogi where uh, there's Sabhikalpa Samadhi and Nirbhikalpa Samadhi. And in Sabhikalpa Samadhi, when the yogi or yogini or the spiritual aspirant is developing their state of um, the original entry level points of Samadhi, that there can be no breath, no heartbeat, uh, that that person can go out of their body for up to uh, uh, up to 24 hours. So their body would be in suspended animation and things like that. And these are the stories of yogis that get buried underground, you know, for four days, or they put them under water. They don't need to breathe, get buried under the earth. They don't, they don't need to breathe. They go into a state of suspended animation. These are yogic skills and yogic skills can be developed um, that are, these are more bodily functions or bodily systems that get suspended from these higher states of consciousness where the soul becomes the, the yogi's consciousness becomes animated in the soul rather than animated in the body. And the body would even appear lifeless or dead. And that's why it's really important for um, these earlier stages of samadhi as one is coming into teaching and sharing, they're very delicate stages, right? The the sharing with students and um, students emulating the behavior of the teacher or the guru and so forth is it's it's a little bit of a, a tightrope because that uh, person, let's just call them the yogi for now, needs to develop those states and spend a lot of time in meditation and. As at a certain level, those states get integrated and that yogi is able to bring those out into the world, into worldly life and be very solid in their form in the world and be able to function as, for example, uh, potentially running a very large ashram or being, you know, um, the head of a country or something like that. And they're very integrated in their states of consciousness. And yet they're still able in their spiritual practice to go into samadhi and still take their students into samadhi or into God union. And there are um, there are ways in which a teacher can transmit or transfer these higher states of consciousness to their student. And that development of self-realization in their student becomes their focus. And that's why I say it's difficult or tricky in the initial stages because they're still developing their own self-realization. So when they're trying to help others develop theirs, often the focus becomes too much on others, too little on themselves, so they can 
wobble a bit doing that. But whereas a Western spiritual teacher very often would be unaware of the ability to enter into these higher states of consciousness or not necessarily having mystical experiences, but more the desire or the longing for that, um, but a mental understanding. And that in in its uh, quintessence, in a nutshell, describes the difference between the two. Mm. Okay, that's really well put. Let's do a, a episode just on samadhi and states yes. of samadhi. Yes, I think that would be really interesting to do, wouldn't it? That'd yeah, be wonderful. I think that would be really good. Yeah, because I because um, sometimes I think vocabulary can can make it difficult. Because in my own in my own experiences, sometimes a state of samadhi is just a a yellow golden merge with the divine, and. And then sometimes when when the state becomes very strong, uh, there might be a, a time when it's beyond vocabulary. It's very difficult to describe the state. So we go into something, I call it the nameless, where you, it's, it's difficult to describe. But I think that there's another part that's really important, too. I, I think, uh, you know, for most people who are in the process of awakening, you're going to tap into these high mystical states. I mean, actually, if you just have one in your whole lifetime, it's a complete miracle. <laughs> really, we're talking about like just merged states. But this is just having one taste of it is enough to change people's lives. Sometimes you know, people have near-death experiences or shared death experiences, and they're changed forever. So to tap into this unified consciousness is, is pretty powerful. Um, for a minute, uh, we're gonna, we're just starting this. So we're going to have to do a whole series, I think. Don't you think we should just sort of carry on and just do a whole uh, several episodes on this topic? I do. I do. And I think exploring the difference between a near-death experience and a samadhi state would be an interesting point. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, bef- okay. So let's also tap right now. So back as was a drop back into reality, you know, and we're living in a planet that's pretty destructive or not the planet itself, but the humanity tends to be quite destructive. And then you see people, I mean, I see it in ashrams. I see it in spiritual people where they're starting to have these amazing mystical states. And then the next thing that happens is they explode in rage or (laughs) all kinds of, all sorts of things start happening that seem uh, a little, a little crazy. So let's, let's talk about yeah, the destructive side of humanity, this sort of insane sort of insanity that's going on, on the planet right now. Yeah, well, the human race is the only species that kills for its own pleasure than rather than killing for essential food and dietary needs. And they're also the only species that is uh, stuck in such an extreme level of self-righteousness and greed that it's willing to take advantage of every other species, even to the point of of extinction. And um, my feeling about it is this arrogance of humanity is a problem that is uh, pushed away and rejected a lot of the higher beings of light uh, to even want to help humanity because of these displays of behavior. But I really feel that there are, um, there are, beings here on the planet, um, like ourselves and others, uh, many others that are here that have come specifically out of compassion 
uh, to help with the evolution of humanity. And that's where you see the divine mother avatars. That's where you see the different avatars in, in human form that are here on the planet, the great, the great uh, gurus and sad gurus and, and saints and sages and, and all of the spiritual teachers around the world that have dedicated their lives to awakening humanity. And those are not just in India, those are in every country in the world. There's, you know, whether there are Sangomas in Africa or Aborigines in Australia or Native Americans in, in the Americas or whatever it is, there's always the mystics and the healers and the shamans and the sages that care about the awakening, even if they're sitting in caves meditating for 24 hours a day for humanity and nobody ever meets them, not even a living soul, or if they're right on you know the front page of the newspaper as the most popular spiritual teacher in the world, um, it's at the extremes, they're here to help. And so we need help. Humanity is in one of the darkest stages. We call this Kali Yuga. And it's a big question, which we should do another episode mm-hmm. on, is are we in the golden age? And is this the golden age? Is this what the golden age looks like? Not yet. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the Christians believe that we're um, in Armageddon uh, and this is the end of the world. And uh-huh. the Hopis and the Mayans are saying that we're we're actually in um, the age of the new sun and that it is the end of the old world, the old Bakhtun, the old um, 12,500-year cycle has completed, and we're in this new golden age, the age of the new sun. And that doesn't look on the outside very pretty right now. So humans are in a kindergarten phase of ignorance and delusion and destruction And what we're seeing is terrifying, and yet we have to be very rooted on a spiritual path to navigate through this mess that we're in right now, which is the the destructive humanity. And this is why we need to see a mass transformation in consciousness. And I do see people waking up everywhere all over the world, and more and more people, especially even the youth, are coming into what we, you know, discovered as the way showers, as the light bearers that brought this knowledge. And there were just a few of us back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And now it's normal. It's more normalized. It's become more mainstream for the youth. And we definitely paved the way. So I do feel that in another 20, 30 years, this planet, the consciousness of humanity will be very different than where it's at now. And there will be many more uh, awakened beings. And I'm not talking about awakened in the dark sense. I'm talking about awakened to their divine nature and to loving compassion for others, for other species, for other beings. So I've definitely dedicated my entire life in service to this mission, the mission of the awakening of humanity, to move them out of their destructive nature into a um, realization of who they are. And that, I think, is important to explore. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think it would be good to explore this idea of the golden age a little bit more, what that actually means. And I had this image as you were speaking of a of the sun, this idea of the sun awakening in my own heart. 
And maybe this is the awakening. Maybe we are in the golden age. And, and that's what's happening is the flame of the heart is coming on. And it's just like this beginning, you know, it's just like the little ignitions happening, little spark, spark, spark. So we're seeing a lot of changes happening around us and there'll be a, a wave of awakening. I, I certainly hope so. So to, to stay on topic and on time, I have one last question for you. So why are women important in the self-realization journey? Women are important in the self-realization journey because it's been a patriarchal world with the spiritual traditions, within the spiritual traditions. Um, we see that, you know, there are male spiritual priests, there are male spiritual rabbis, there's male spiritual uh, yogis, there's male spiritual um, Hindu priests, and there are male spiritual leaders in the Buddhist tradition. There are male spiritual leaders across the world in every religion and every spiritual path, but very, very rarely were the women allowed to be in the position of a priest or a spiritual leader. And now the world is changing and the suppression of women that we've seen um, the domination of the masculine and the patriarchy, we've seen this starting to change. And there have always been self-realized spiritual women, whether they're in any religious tradition, but they've been behind the scenes. They've been like the battery that supports the operation, or they've been in hiding not necessarily in hiding, like in a cave and hiding. I just mean they're not at the forefront. They're not visible. So this needs to change, and it needs to change because the patriarchal energies, um, of course, the masculine energies, which are the true balanced masculine, looks very different than the imbalanced masculine, whereas the the feminine energy which tends to be more loving and soft and nurturing, loyal and protective, and also all-inclusive, all-encompassing, needs to merge into these very masculine, patriarchal, um, dry spiritual traditions. So the spiritual leaders that are women that, have, that are now stepping into the forefront and that are making their way to being known and to their leadership uh, qualities are very, very necessary because their energy is what's bringing about the balance. It's what's restoring the divine feminine on the planet. It's what's restoring the divine feminine into the institutions and the organizations and into the uh, religious and spiritual structures, which ultimately will influence the people and where they're at, because the people and where they're at are really impacted by their day-to-day -day life. They're impacted by their leaders. They're impacted by their, you know, truth speakers, their inspirational, motivational um, leaders, not so much by politics um, because people are losing hope. They're losing faith in politics. In every country in the world, we see the madness, the craziness, the insanity that makes no sense on the political forum, and people are getting tired of that. Uh, being misled. 
And so we turn now to our spiritual leaders, and we need our spiritual leaders to have more of that, that softer, gentle, more firm, divine, feminine quality that brings that fierce grace and then that tenderness and love that can bring us back to our true human nature instead of this kind of monstrous human nature that we've seen demonstrated. So for women, we've always dedicated our lives to husbands, to children, to family, to parents, to caring for elders, to caring and caregiving for everybody else except for ourselves, right? And so for women to get on the spiritual path and to actually spend some time focusing on their own self-realization and their own spiritual practices is part of the revolution we're seeing here in terms of the consciousness that's changing on the planet. It used to be that women were only able to focus on their spirituality once they were, you know, in their elder years. And now that is changing and it needs to change. It needs to be the priority. So women are actually needing to step up and change the world because they are very important in the journey to self-realization to bring about the balance that we so desperately need and have been lacking. That's beautiful. And I'm really enjoying having tea here with Divine Mother. It's a wonderful thing to sit and look around the the blossoming springtime flowers, to sip some tea, and to realize that the spiritual path is very human. It's very ordinary. We find it, we we tend to make it seem like something extraordinary, but actually it's the most ordinary thing of all. And when we tap into that, what happens? We become happy and whole. We love each other. We form communities. We raise our children well. We have a thriving humanity. So we all have work to do. And I know that (laughs) we need to, to stop here, but we will continue recording and sending out some new information. So if you want to find out more about Mirabai Devi, go to mirabaidevi.org. If you want to find out more about me and all my books and folklore and fairy tales and all things that I get up to, you can go to ankatesullivan.com. So do you want to to add anything? Yes. um, I have a free gift available on my portal website where my bookstore is, my bookstore or my storefront for all of my programs, workshops, private sessions, and books and CDs and products, DVDs are a power of love.com. And the store is a power of love forward slash store. And the free gift is on a power of love forward slash go. Oh, that sounds great. Okay. Well, thank you to everyone who has joined in and may your lives be filled with divine love. Many, many blessings. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.